Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And Brian Windhorst. Brian, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. I want to start here with you um, before we get into the heat here. Cleveland's defense at this point, the way it's gone the last uh, couple of months, really, uh, how concerned should they be in Cleveland? Or is there some, uh, I guess, some secret plan to fix this thing? (laughs) <laughs> they say there's a secret plan. Well, that's not how they framed it. Um, the other night when they got blown off the, their home court by the Wizards, Ty Lue, the coach, said, obviously the Wizards are a potential playoff opponent, so we're holding back some coverages. I'm sure that there's truth in that statement, but what they did do, which was pretty basic, they were pretty bad at it. And since the All-Star break, they've been the second-worst uh, defense in the league. Um, behind the Lakers, who are ahead of the Lakers, I guess you'd say. And that's not exactly something to brag about. The Lakers are pretty much tanking, so I would say they sort of rank 29th out of 29th. Um, Since January 8th, they're only two games over 500. This has been really an average basketball team uh, over the last two and a half months. Now, in full disclosure, they've had a lot of injuries. J.R. Smith was out. uh, Kyle Korver was out. Kevin Love was out. It's not like they've been perfectly healthy, but show me a team that's been perfectly healthy. Uh, there hasn't been many, so it's not that doesn't go very far. And, Ethan, I always remember – I don't remember if you were standing there with me, but I'll never forget. This was a, a really key moment for me. Um, after Game 5 of the 2014 final, after Shane Battier announced he was retiring, he had a very candid conversation about that particular Heat team. Yep. And he said – you know, we just weren't as good defensively as where we'd been the last few years. And, you know, he said, I was watching our rankings all year long, and we never really were able to be in the top 10. We finished like 12th or 13th, and you pretty much got to be a top 10 defense to win. We tried to cheat that system, and we didn't, and I always felt that that would be our downfall. And it was him basically admitting that the Heat just by that fourth year um, they just didn't quite have the energy on defense, and it showed up at the very end. Well, that Heat team ranked like 13th or 12th in defense. This Cavs team is 23rd. So, you know, you look at that and say, if you follow the basics of what basketball has taught us, that does not portend you repeating as champions. Well, Brian, uh, let's go off of that. We just saw Boston beat the Heat last night. Does Boston have a chance against Cleveland or – can't, can Boston beat Cleveland in a best-of-seven? We know they have a chance. Can Isaiah Thomas do that with, with uh, Boston? I wouldn't think so, but I, I guess if you've been betting against Isaiah Thomas, you went broke a long time ago. <laughs> um, now, to me, this Celtics team hasn't actually won a playoff series before. So before we give them the conference finals, I'd have to see a lot more from them. Um, one of the things that you would think is that in a playoff setting, when you can really – get your game plan down and you can figure out ways to try to deal with Isaiah Thomas, that maybe you could, could pinch him off a little bit. That's certainly what the Cavs did two years ago when they swept the Celtics. And then last year they were, the Celtics were more, were more feisty, but ultimately 
Um, they, you know, Isaiah wasn't able to be a difference maker in the playoffs. But if it was easy to, to stop him, he would have been stopped by now. It's not like, you know, people are holding that back. So um, from a talent standpoint, I think the Celtics are probably fourth in the East in terms of talent. Now, if you told that to a Celtics fan, they would look to fight you. But I honestly believe that. Now, um, the way they play together and how well coached they are and the way they hustle, um, that elevates their game. But in the playoffs, you sort of see all the teams play that way. So it's a, it's a long way of saying, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't project it, but stranger things have happened. Uh, I'm talking to Brian Windhorst from ESPN. So bringing it to the Heat, because if the Heat makes the playoffs, most likely it's going to be playing one of those two teams. And, I mean, unless the Heat can get all the way up to six, which you know, there's still time for that, but uh, but the losing three of the last four hasn't helped that. Do you think? I mean, we saw Miami win a back-to-back against Cleveland. One of the games, LeBron and Kyrie didn't play. Uh, as you mentioned, they've gotten Kevin Love and and J.R. Smith back uh, in the fold since that situation. But do you think that Miami can say win a couple of games off either of those two teams, Boston or Cleveland? Well, I would say that. Going back, you know, Heat fans will remember this. The last time LeBron lost a first-round playoff game was to the Knicks that one time where uh, they went 4-1. I believe they lost game four in the Garden, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Um, LeBron hasn't lost a first-round game since then. Um, He's won 17 consecutive first-round games. So he's been pretty dominant in that first round. And one of the things he's valued is take care of business in that round um, and uh, you can get some rest. Having said that, as long as we're going with history, the Cavs have been terrible in Miami. They were terrible in Miami when LeBron was there the first time around. They were terrible in Miami, like most teams were, while LeBron was there, and they've been terrible in Miami since LeBron came back, even though he skipped uh, a couple of those games. So considering how well the Heat play at home and considering that they are going to be uh, they're going to compete, um, it would not surprise me if the Heat were able to end that streak um, uh, of LeBron's wins, um, you know, so that doesn't, you know, that's sort of a moral victory, but um, the way the Cavs are playing at this exact moment, um, I'm not giving them any advantage on anybody. I wouldn't give them a sweep against the Brooklyn Nets right now. Brian, should Russell Westbrook, should he be upset if he does not win MVP? And, and right now it, it, Seems as though it's trending toward he will not win it. Does he? Does he have a legit argument if he doesn't? Well, Perk, I'm sure he'll be upset. One of his favorite things to do in life is to get upset. <laughs> um, you know, it, we are in a uh, outrageous uh, statistical season, and it's making it difficult. If we're judging averaging a triple double against every season in the last 30 years, it's an incredible accomplishment. If we're judging it against this year. I don't want to take anything away from it, but it it changes a little bit. So as a reminder, Oscar Robertson in 61-62, when he averaged the triple-double, he actually finished third in the MVP race. Um, Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points and 26 rebounds a game that year. He also averaged 48.5 minutes a game in a record that will never be broken. He finished second. And Bill Russell won in a landslide. Yep. Okay, wasn't even close. Yep. 50 and 25, and he finished second. So some years, the competition is just really, really stiff. And this year, 
when you look at James Harden and, and LeBron and even Kawhi, the competition is going to be stiff. And I expect, you know, if you go back and look at the last few years, guys, we haven't had much of an MVP race. Last year, unanimous. Um, two years ago, Steph won it easily. Um, and, and the last time LeBron won it, he won it. He got all but one vote. Um, we haven't seen a close uh, um, a race since Steve Nash beat Shaq in a, another moment of, I'm sure Heat fans love to hear. So has, we haven't had a close race in 12 years, really. And we haven't had more than three guys get first-place votes since 2012. I think we will see five, maybe six guys get first-place votes in the closest race since 2017 because of this, the nature of, or two, since 2005, since this uh, nature of this season. I'm talking to Brian Winhorst from ESPN. What is LeBron's best case for that award? Is it how poorly the Cavaliers play without him? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, he's averaging the, the, the most uh, points. I'm sorry, the most rebounds and assists of his career. Um, he is. Uh, he's has 37 double doubles, the most in his career. 10 triple doubles, the most in his career in a single season. Like I'm talking about, all stats are elevated. So if you if you grade on the curve, you know that's a factor. He has played, in my opinion, the worst defensive season of his regular season career, at least maybe since he was a rookie. Um, and I think he's making a bit of a business decision there. He's trying not to exhaust himself so much. He also, his minutes are up. That's part of the reasons why his stats are up. Um, if you watch the Cavs play, he carries them to win after win after win. Um, he's still an extraordinarily valuable player. Um, I can't really make a case for him over James Harden or Russell Westbrook. The only thing I would say is if you're having difficulty deciding between the four and you're looking for a tiebreaker, I think most people would agree he's the best player, and that would be a way he may get some votes. Brian, uh, I, I asked this half-jokingly, but uh, LeVar Ball, the father of, of UCLA's Lonzo Ball, does this guy threaten to overshadow the league next year uh, when, when Lonzo comes <laughs> in, uh, taking shots at, at Barkley and LeBron and, and drawing everybody in? Is it up to us as the media to limit this guy? What, what's going to happen? <laughs> I don't think the media will be limiting. The media no. loves him. I, yes. I, I actually I actually met him this morning. Uh-uh. Um, I'm in L.A., and he was on first take out here in L.A. this morning. Um, so there are, and Ethan knows this, Perk, you know this, um, there are times where there are parents who are problematic for teams with players. Just like it happens in high school and college, some of those parents graduate to the pros. And if it's not a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an agent, there are um, you know, this is part of life in the NBA. In fact, there are probably parents that are more difficult to handle than LeVar Ball is. Um, that's part of the NBA. Where he is different is that he might get on ESPN or he might get on, um, you know, you know, Fox mm-hmm. or, or the local radio, and he might put not only his, team, his son's team on blast, he might put teammates on blast. And that's where this is a little bit different. I think he's actually a method to his madness. We all know him. You're asking me about him, Perk. Yep. Most of America didn't know who he was two months ago. So I think he's what he's trying to accomplish, he's done extraordinarily well. Um, but I do think that it adds a layer that teams don't necessarily like. But let's be honest. If the kid can play, the teams are going to want him, and the kid can definitely play. Brian, what happens with what, – what is your gut – on what happens with Chicago and Dwayne Wade this offseason? Um, I can't see 
I can't see him turning that down, that money. That was the big reason why he left. The only way I could see it is if he was to make the money up in some sort of multi-year deal. And I just don't know at this point with his injuries if he can get a high-dollar multi-year deal. Um, I, every, I've learned at the end of players' careers, they make decisions that are not based on money. Um, you can re- just recall Mike Bibby. He left $5 million on the table to walk away to come compete with the Heat. He never made that $5 million up. That $5 million went away. That was an investment. He bought uh, a chance to win a championship. He didn't, unfortunately. Um, at the end of the day, it's Dwayne's money. So Dwayne can do with whatever he wants it. Um, but a but big part of the reason he left was to get paid. There was respect, certainly. There was you know, issues with that. But he went to get paid. And um, if he opted out, that would sort of put the whole or big part of the reason why I left Miami, you know, down the drain. So um, I would be surprised if he opted out, but, you know, I haven't spoken to him about it, so I would just be guessing. Uh, unless unless it just went so much worse than he expected. I mean, that would be the other thing. I mean, he it, he it seemed... did go – it obviously did not go well. Right, right. And the fact that the Bulls have rebounded a little bit and played – I don't know if I'd say they played better because they've been all over the place, but they've had some success with him out. That certainly obviously doesn't help the situation. Brian, uh, could you see Dwayne coming back to the Heat next season? If he opts out, I could. If he becomes a free agent, I could. The thing about the Heat situation is, um, barring major moves, which is always possible, next summer is going to be the summer when the Heat have the money. And because Tyler Johnson's contract kicks in the following year, and you're not going to have the cap space. The cap's going to go flat. So the Heat are going to have money to spend this summer. And, you know, the only thing I could see is if they don't like the, the free agent class or they can't get a free agent they want, maybe they could go back to the old way and just pay Dwayne a big, giant one-year deal and say, let's all, let's all get past this. Um, and then they could roll their cap space over. But the problem is the cap space won't roll over because Tyler Johnson's contract number goes up. Right. So, so it's not going to be like it like it has been the last few years where the Heat just sort of kick the the, the cap space can down the road. So it it makes more sense if you're going to only have your cap space for that for next summer to use that not on a one year player but on a player that you're going to keep around for a few years that you really believe in. And I don't think Dwayne fits that bill. What? So. If Dwayne's willing to take a lot less money, then of course it's possible. But if he was willing to take less money, I think he'd be with the Heat right now. Right, and they, and they, of course the, the decision on waiters plays into this too, uh, just in terms of you know whether or not you think that it, it's real what you've seen from him this season and what he's worth. What, what do you think Deion Waiters commands in the open market? This is a great question. It's going to be fascinating. Um, you know, he plays at a position a position of need, um, and there's a lot of people out there. I think. Waiters is going to be a type of player where there's going to be a whole lot of teams that say, no, we have no interest in him. We don't like his game. Um, we have no interest. But there is not, there is not going to be a, a, a dearth. I mean, somebody will like him, just like the Cavs liked him in the draft and the Thunder liked him in the trade and the Heat liked him this year. Somebody is going to like him. So the Heat may not have five bidders like you know they would have had with Whiteside where they'd have to make the decision on July 1st. But my guess is there will be at least one bidder, one team that, that really thinks that he can help them. 
And um, that, you know, he sort of like Victor Oladipo in that regard. When the, when, the, when the Thunder elected to pay Victor Oladipo last summer or last fall, they realized maybe he wasn't going to be getting 10 offer sheets, but he, he just took one. And so I do think Dion will have somebody give him a good offer that will put the heat on the spot about it. And it'll just come down to um, their talent evaluation. And, you know, for the most part, they do a great job with that. But I, I do know this. I know that Pat Riley loves loves Dion Waiters, and he's, it, it was a great signing. And um, if you have Pat on your side, it, it makes it, special things can happen when you do contracts. Brian, thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Take care, guys. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll get to some of the. T- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.